morning, good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing today, good? Oh, we can do better than that, I promise. Is that, how's everybody doing today, we good? All right, that's what I thought. Let's get it for Jesus in the house this morning, huh? Like, man, I love worship and I love, man, just all that good stuff. But uh, we're kicking off our detox series today. And how many guys ever been in a relationship that was just terrible for you? Anybody relate you like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, how many guys didn't need to be, like, you were already saved from sin, but maybe you need to be saved from stupidity. Come on, somebody. Like, anybody? Okay. You know, like Romans 5, like, he, he died for us while we were in our sin. I think sometimes we recognize he died for us in our stupidity, for real. So uh, some, of, some of our relationships, we needed grace to save us from that. And so I remember, man, I was in, a, I, I had dated a, a you know, different people before me and my wife got married. And speaking of my wife, she is amazing and beautiful and gorgeous and strong. And man, she's just, yeah, you can give it up for my wife in the house. Yeah. She's, she's a rock star. I love her so much. And one of the biggest reasons why I do that is because she hates it. So, uh, but now listen, uh, I remember being in some relationships that uh, weren't healthy for me when I was kind of going through the, the dating phase. And the dating phase is such an awkward thing anyways. But I remember I was uh, dating one particular girl and, and uh, things were getting pretty serious. But the more serious the relationship got, uh, the more that I was interacting with her family. And, and quickly the relationship went from great to toxic. And, and as it went to toxic, I remember that the relationship that used to bring me so much joy became the thing that was suffocating me. And I don't just mean like my relationship with her, but, but how many guys have ever, uh, because of her family and the way that they were towards me and, and some of those things that words were being spoken into my life that were becoming poison. And how many guys know that when you hear something long enough, you'll start to believe it. Come on somebody. Like, and so things were being spoken into me and over me long enough that even I was starting to believe it. And the relationship that I used to cherish, the thing that I actually used to enjoy became the very thing that I needed to be free from. I, needed, I couldn't breathe. I felt like, God, you're gonna, I, like something has to change. And, and God's grace, how, how many guys are glad that sometimes God didn't answer your prayers the way you prayed them? Come on, somebody like, God, I just want this relationship to work. And God's like, I'm saving you from your stupidity right now. Like, we quit praying that we get what we want. Let's start praying that God gives us what we need. Okay, somebody like, and so I was there. So this ain't something, like, I don't preach to y'all something. I don't have to live myself. I, was, I remember being there and God stepped in and in grace took me out of a relationship and then gave me my amazing, beautiful wife um, who is a stinking rock star and the strongest person that I've ever met in my life. And so, um, so yeah, but I remember being, thinking to myself like, I have got to get in a position where I can breathe again because I feel like I'm suffocating. Anybody ever, has life ever had anyone where they felt like they were suffocating and they couldn't breathe again, right? And the whole point of the detox series, so today and then the next three weeks, the whole point of what we're going to talk about um, throughout this whole series is getting rid of things in our life that suffocate us so that we can get back to being the people that God called us to be. And maybe you're new at TC and, and our vision here is that we would see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. And we have a journey that we like to take people on. It's that they would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Those are the four things that we believe in as a church. And so uh, what we want you to do is let's, uh, we're going to hopefully, if, if you don't know God, we're going we're gonna to give you a chance to meet him today. But, but this series is about finding some freedom and getting some junk out of our lives. And how many of y'all will acknowledge, you don't have to raise your hand, okay? 
You don't have to raise your hand. But how many will acknowledge that there is some junk in the life of the person sitting next to you? Come on, some. No? Okay. <laughs> don't raise your hand. I was kidding. As I said, uh, spouses were like, this one. <laughs> We got some stuff we need to get rid of, and so let's go on. A, let's, go, let's talk about detox today, shall we? Let's jump into what we have. Take out your sermon notes. Hopefully you got those on the way in the door. You can open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6 is where we're going to start. And, and so let's get into what we have today. So it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Say Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So he put this leadership in place so that he wouldn't suffer loss. Let's keep going. He says, now Daniel so distinguished himself. So Daniel set himself apart. And one of the things that I want to help you understand today is that if God is going to do everything in our life that he desires to do, we're going to have to put ourselves in a position of being set apart from who we used to be to who God wants us to be. You with me today? That God, we, how many guys know the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing the same way, expecting different results? And some of us have been doing the same spiritual things the same spiritual way and expecting different spiritual results. And this series is gonna be about changing some things, hopefully. Hopefully God prompts in your heart a desire to change some things so that we can see different results, amen? And so he distinguished himself. He set himself apart. He made himself known to be different, right? Among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And listen to me, folks. I want to challenge you. Where could you be next month, next year, this time, if we change some things in our lives that led us to the place that God wants us to be. Can I tell you something today? God wants more for you than you have right now. Amen. I'm gonna say it again, because some of y'all don't believe me yet. God wants more for you than you have right now. I'm not talking about money, I'm not talking about finances, I'm talking about a life that's worth living. Come on somebody, like when you wake up in the morning and you're ready to take on the day because you know that God has called you and destined you with something. And so what we wanna do is help you see that, number one, you, that we are to distinguish ourselves, to be set apart. And, and so God comes into our life and he introduces grace and mercy. And, and through Jesus on the cross, he saves us. But as he saves us, he saves us so that he can set us apart. Now, I'm not talking about, sometimes the church takes that and they, and they try to make something else out of it where they say that, well, we need to be set apart so we don't need to interact with the world. I don't think that's true either. Because how can you save a world that you don't interact with? Right, we need to interact with the world, but we need to be the ones introducing hope. Turn to your neighbor and say, hope. All right, so we need to distinguish ourselves so that we can present a message. And so I want to give you today God's vision for our lives. All right, so this is what God wants to do in your life. You say, Pastor, how do you know what God wants to do in my life? Because this is what he wants to do in everyone's life. The difference between those that will and those that won't is those that do and those that don't. So this is up to you, my friends on whether or not we accomplish what God has for us. So let's go on that journey together. Four things that God wants to do in our life. Number one is he wants you to know that you can be free again. You can be free again. Well, why do you say again? Well, because listen to me, I believe that 
we get into our life, when we come to Jesus, I don't know about you, but I remember the, the day that I met Jesus and the day he came into my life. I didn't, it wasn't religion. It wasn't like practice. It wasn't going to church. I remember the day that he woke me up in my mind and in my heart to my need for grace in my life. That I was sinful and I was messed up. How many guys remember like recognizing you needed Jesus to do something in your life, right? The rest of y'all need it now because you're all lying, right? You just... How many of us remember with the day like Jesus had to come in and change some things and make me brand new, right? And I, I remember the day that that happened, but somewhere on the journey from when Jesus transforms us to where we are today, some of us have bought into some lies about who we are. Some of us have heard words spoken over us that tells us we're not who God says we are or we are something that God says we are not. We've bought into untruths that tell us that we never really changed or, or we, Jesus isn't pleased with us or God doesn't want to use us because we're too messed up. Can I tell you something? None of that is true. The reality is that God wants you to be free again, but this time we're not free from the weight of our sin. This time we're free to live out the purpose that when he saved us from our sin, he introduced an opportunity for you and for you and for you and for me to be the person that God created me to be. So when Jesus comes into our life, he saves us from our sin through his death on the cross. But then there's a second freedom that you have to step into where you're no longer paying over and over again for the stuff that is in your past. And we got to be free from that. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 says this. Now the Lord is the spirit. Say that word spirit. And that word spirit there. It's translated from the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. And what that word pneuma is there is a representation of, of the Holy Spirit where it's talking about a, a breeze uh, or a wind or a breath that breathes in us. How many guys have ever walked out on the front porch the day summer breaks and like fall steps in? Y'all know what I'm talking? First of all, it's somewhere around, like, summer in Pensacola ends somewhere around December 31st, okay? So, like, y'all know, <laughs> it's hot. If y'all don't, like, I got a friend from New York, they're like, what is Florida like right now? I was like, it's like an armpit. It's what it feels like outside. Like, it's kind of gross, and no one wants to go there. Okay, so, but I, I remember, I, I, I remember, like, the day that summer breaks and, like, that cool breeze blows in for the first time. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You're sitting there like, man, give me a hammock and a book. I don't even read, but I'll take a hammock and a book. I just want to sit outside. It just feels so good. And that feeling that you get that first time that breeze blows across your face and you're like, wow, it feels so great outside. That's similar to what we're talking about with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our spiritual life is what that breeze does to our physical body. Like When we feel that, we go, oh, man, that feels so good. But the Holy Spirit, what God wants to do for you is do that same thing inside of you where you wake up and go, oh, man, that feels so good. And I, I, love, I love, like, it's time for us to wake up loving what God is doing in our life instead of waking up not able, like, when we can't wait to get to tonight so we can go back to sleep. Some of us have gotten into a routine of life where we wake up, we go to work, we come home, we eat, we go to sleep, we wake up, we come, like, we just, we're doing the same thing over and over and every day, and our life feels like it doesn't have purpose. Can I tell you something? It's time for us to be free again, but freedom, not just through our actions, but what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of us. 
So the Lord is the spirit. He is that new wind, that fresh breath of air in our life. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Some translations say there is liberty, right? And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness. Now, it didn't say we were transformed. It says we're being transformed, which means the reasons that you have why you can't be everything God wants you to be is because you feel like you haven't arrived yet. Can I tell you something? The Bible tells us that we never arrive, but we're always in pursuit. So let's pursue together, all right? Some of us are waiting for perfection to lead us. So where the Spirit, is, the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let's jump over to Romans 8 where it says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means that for who you used to be, you don't have to keep paying the price for who you used to be. Let's start creating a pursuit for who God wants you to be today. There's no condemnation. There's no reason for you to hold your head low. If you're living the life that's in a pursuit after Jesus, there's not any condemnation for us because we are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. How many guys are tired of feeling like you got to keep repaying God for what he did in your life? What happens is some of us fall prey to the idea that we got to, like, I'm not good enough yet. I'm not good enough yet. I'm not good enough yet. And here's the thing. If can I help you with something? The enemy doesn't need to try to get your soul back. He can't do that. What he's trying to do is stalemate you where you are so you never live the life and fulfill the purpose that God put you here for. The enemy is content with freezing you where you're at. And if he can do that, he'll settle. Can I tell you something? God made you something. He made you for greatness. Just like Karen said, you're his favorite. We should all start acting like it. Tweet that. Write that down somewhere. Okay. So he set us free from the law of sin. And John 8, 36 says this. It says, if, so if the son sets you free, then you are truly free. Some translations say, whom the son sets free is free indeed. Like, again, I say you are free. Do I need to reiterate that you are free? And some of us who feel like we got to keep paying for our past, keep paying over and over again. No, no, no. It's time we start walking out the purpose that God put in our lives. Dr. Henry Cloud uh, tells us this in this quote. He says, guilt and shame too often sends us into hiding. How many guys, uh, some of you have heard the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And after they committed the first sin, when they ate the fruit, what did they do? They went into hiding, right? Guilt and shame oftentimes sends us into hiding. If we have to hide, we cannot get help for our brokenness. And if we can't get help for our brokenness, that means that we can never truly be free. See, the enemy doesn't have to try to get you back if he can just continue to put guilt and shame in your mind for the things that are a part of our past that Jesus has already wiped away if he can keep haunting us with that then we never become the person that God wants us to be and we never fulfill the purpose that God wants us to fulfill number two is that we want you to breathe again in God's vision for your life you can breathe again 
And so some of you guys have heard of a place called, like, we, we, they call it the doldrums. And I remember Pastor Chris wrote a book called Fresh Air. He talks about the doldrums. And, and what the doldrums are is uh, on the earth where the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere come together. Right, so there's a northern hemisphere moving, the southern hemisphere moving, but they come together right along, closer along the line of the equator. And where they come together, there's like no movement whatsoever. There's no wind blowing, there's nothing moving. And what would happen is before uh, ships had motors and engines and steam engines and all those things, before all those came in, they would, all sailors would avoid the doldrums at any cost because once you got stuck there, you couldn't get out. There's no wind to blow you out. There's no movement in the water to pull you out. And oftentimes ships would get stuck there and everyone would die in the doldrums. And what I believe is happening in many of our lives is that we are in a place where the pneuma, the spirit, the breath, the wind of God isn't blowing in our life. And the waters, the anointing, God's purpose isn't moving in our life. And we find ourselves frustrated, sick, tired, depressed, angry, because we feel like we're going nowhere. And in reality, we're not. Because we're not putting ourselves in the position to allow the spirit of God to move in our life. But we have to reposition ourselves for the Holy Spirit to blow a fresh wind into us. I don't know about you guys, when I get, when I get tired, I get cranky. Anybody, any of y'all out there? Some of y'all point to your spouses, don't do that. That's a bad call, don't. When I get tired, like I get irritable. I get irritable twice. Two, two different situations cause me to get irritable. Tired and hungry. Y'all see this? Like, this ain't an accident, okay? So, <laughs> but when I'm, like, when I'm tired, oh, but can I tell you something? We, some of us, our bodies aren't tired but our spirit is because we've been going nowhere for too long. And God wants to breathe new life into you. Second Corinthians 1, 8 through 10 says this, says that you, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. How many of you guys have ever felt like life was crushing and overwhelming you beyond your ability to endure? Come on, somebody. Y'all with me? Like, man, like, Bills and work and kids and kids and kids. Like, and like, just like life was caving in on you a little bit. Like, but we were crushing over the world beyond our ability to endure and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. And when we talk about the doldrums, that's where many people are. They have, ex- they have accepted their circumstances and given up on God moving them out of their circumstances. And so they just expect to die. Maybe not physically, but this is how many, how many guys have ever said, this is where I'm going to be my whole life. This is, like, this is just all there is for me. Like, I don't, God's never going to do anything. He's never going to change my circumstances. He's never going to breathe. Like this is all that there's ever going to be. If you let that be all there's ever going to be, then that's all there's ever going to be. Let's keep going. He says, so it says we were crushed and overwhelmed, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. See, what happens is God will let us rely on ourselves as long as we continue to rely on ourselves. But the moment we recognize that we need God to do something in our life more than we can do our own thing in our life, that's when he comes through. 
God will always put us in a position where we need him more than we need us. So we learn to rely on God who raises the dead and he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will. Say he will. I want you to think about your circumstances and say he will. I want you to think about all the chaos that is going on in your life. I want you to think about your own personal doldrums. I want you to think about how breathless and how lifeless and how things feel like they're going nowhere and all the depression, all the anxiety, all the spiritual attacks, all the things that's going on in your own personal life. Maybe you're not having anything that's terrible for you, but you just know that you're not fulfilling. Like God has to have something more than this for my life. Whatever the case is, I'm here to tell you that he will continue to rescue us. He will continue to rescue us. Matthew 14, 22, what we see is Peter here. And, and so what happens is Jesus feeds the multitudes. And so uh, Jesus is with a crowd and he's with his disciples and, and uh, they perform the, the world's biggest fish fry. Come on, somebody. Like, so they take five loaves and some fish and, and uh, some Zatarans, some Crisco. Hey, come on, somebody. Some cheese grits and hush puppy. Wait, hold on. None of that's in the Bible. That's heresy. I'm just kidding. It's not there. But Jesus takes the, 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 the loaves of fish. He, he feeds the multitudes. Right? So the disciples are a part of this. This is important. I want you to understand something. The disciples are a part of that miracle. You with me? Then Jesus sends the disciples out onto the water. And the Bible says he climbs a mountain to go pray. All right? But then wind and a storm come against the boat while they're sailing, right? So Jesus goes out to them walking on water. And this is where we see where we pick up in verse 22. So Jesus, the disciples see Jesus walking on water. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, listen, Peter has been following Jesus all this time. You think he would know who he was. Like you could turn every light out in this sanctuary, every single one of them. And my dad could walk through the door and all he would have to do is cough and I would know it was him. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I'd be like, know who that is, right? Like Peter sees Jesus and is like, if it's you, tell me to come out there, right? So come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Right? So Peter is walking on the water. Let's keep going. But when he saw the wind, say wind. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. Say afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And here's what I believe some of us do. When we're facing our own wind, we become fearful because we doubt what God will do and it affects our faith. We see our own storms. We see our own circumstances. We see our own situations. And when we see our circumstances, we become fearful. Listen, can I tell you something? Well, let's keep going and I'll show you. And when they climbed into the boat, so Jesus catches Peter, right? Let's jump down to verse uh, 23. It says that uh, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. But here's what I want you to see. The ones that were saying, truly you are the son of God, just watched him feed the multitude. 
before they got in the boat. They, were, they had enough faith to believe for someone else's miracle, but they didn't have enough faith to believe for theirs. And a lot of times in life, we communicate and we preach and we may even tell other people. How many of you guys ever had someone walk up to you and say, hey, man, don't worry. God's got this. And you're sitting there looking at them like, if you don't shut up right now. <laughs> but then when they go through something, they're freaking out. That's what the disciples, when, they, when Jesus feared the multitudes, they were like, Jesus has got this. But then when they were on the boat, they're like, we all going to die. I don't know what's going to happen. Someone tell my mom I love her. I don't even know. Like, right. Listen, you got to believe that Jesus, either Jesus, either God is God or he's not. But if he is, let's believe he is over everything and not just all the circumstances except for ours. He hadn't forgot about you. He loves you. He knows right where you are. Your circumstances haven't caught him by surprise. He has destined the steps that you are taking, and he has a purpose even for your pain. If you'll surrender and say, even in the midst of the wind and even in the midst of my storm, God, I will serve you. I will trust you, and I will go where you lead me. I will walk the steps that you have ordered for me to walk. I will trust him to my faith completely and only in you, not even in me. God, I'm going to go you tell me to go, I'm going to do what you tell me to do because you have a purpose for my life that goes beyond just me. We have to trust the Lord that he knows the way that we take. We're coming into 21 days of prayer. And so we, uh, today starts our 21 days of prayer for, for the next 21 days. We're going to be praying. We're going to meeting here at the church Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., in the hall, uh, in the classroom, down the hallway, at the end, down there, our kids zone. We're going to be meeting here at 6 a.m. and Saturdays at 9. And here's what I want you to understand. Let's, I want, check out this quote by Chris Hodges, because we're talking about things that need to change in our life. He says, prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. And how many of us have tried things on our own and it's not going very well? Like we, we tried, like we've tried doing all the things we can do. We've tried. I've done the best I can. Can I tell you something? If you're ready for God's purpose to take control in your life, then you need to close the gap between the best you can do and the best God can do. And you're only going to do that in prayer. So you say, Pastor, that's really early, 6 a.m. You're right. It's early. I live 30 minutes from here. It's early. Come on, somebody. I got to wake up at 4.30 to get here at 6 because I hit snooze seven times. Y'all know where my, where my seven times snoozers at? Y'all in here? Okay, good. That's what I'm talking about. Some of y'all, the alarm goes off once. You're just up. You're just like, look at this. Look at this. The rest of us walking around like. Can I tell you something? God's. See, a lot of us in our life, are, we're, we're looking for things to change. Again, we're looking for things to change, but we're not changing. We're looking for God to be different, but we're not creating the environment for God to be different. And God says, I have every intention of fulfilling every purpose that I created you for, but you're never gonna do it without a connection to me. Some of us pray to God like we would talk to Abraham Lincoln like someone that we know used to exist, but we don't quite have a relationship with. Can I tell you something? He wants to know you. 
And I encourage you guys, man, I, I, 21 days of prayer, God changes my life. And he changes it in a new way every time we do it twice a year, January and August. And I'm telling you right now, is it a sacrifice? Yes. Is it gonna require that you get a little less sleep for 21 days? Yes. Is it gonna mean you might miss out on something? Yes, but it's worth it. Because when you connect to God, he will transform your life. The moment God pulled me out of the doldrums was in a 21 days of prayer where he literally breathed a pneuma spirit into my life and almost brought me back to life. I'm here to tell you today, he wants to do it for you. But we gotta quit doing the same thing the same way, expecting different results. So I challenge you to hear from God yourself on this 21 days of prayer and answer the call that he puts in your heart. Some of you, he's speaking to you right now, telling you, I want you there. And you're sitting there going, but God, that's really early. Dunkin' Donuts don't even open that early. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's early. It's worth it. I promise you it's worth it. Answer what the Lord is telling you. It's saying, don't, don't do it because I'm asking, I'm not, I'm not even asking you to come. I'm asking you to answer what God's telling you right now. Because it's the difference See, some of, us have, some of us have already tried this detox thing. How, how many of us have already, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us will acknowledge in our own minds and our own hearts and our own spirits that I've already tried to clean this junk out of me. I've already talked to people about my insecurities. I've already gone to someone about my anxiety. I've already talked to people about my depression. I've already gone through all of this and none of it has helped because people can't help you. Only God can change the things in your life that need to change. And I'm here to tell you, I know he can not because I watched the miracle. I'm telling you that because he changed the wind in my boat. He transformed the storm of my life. I'm not here to tell you about some figment of my imagination. I'm not here to tell you just some stories that are in some book. I'm here to tell you about the truth of God that is inside of this cover, that when he transformed my life, he breathed something different in me. I tried to do it myself. I tried to find it in a bottle. I tried to find it in drugs. I tried to find it in gangs. I tried to find it in family and it never worked until I grabbed this book and I let the pneuma, the Holy Spirit that God can bring into my life. He breathed something brand new. I had never had it before and he transformed my life. We way out of time. I got four minutes left. Number three. You can see again. I don't want to give y'all false hope. I'm not going to be done in four minutes, but it won't be that much longer. I can promise you that. Some of y'all are like, oh, snap, we're going to get up. No, you're not. I'm, don't worry. You can see again. And in your seeing again. Take us to Mark 8, guys, on those notes. Mark 8, 22. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to heal him, touch him. So Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And then he spit on him. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's hilarious to me. He spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. Now, first of all, could you see being the people that brought the blind man to Jesus? I want you to think of their face right now. Come on, bro, we're gonna go see Jesus 
and he's gonna heal you. And Jesus is like, got that. Like, I don't know how that worked. You know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta change how you read the Bible, fam. Like, this is, a, this is hilarious. Anyway, so Jesus spits on his eyes and rubs his eyes. And let's keep going. So he puts his hands on him. Then Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Now here's my question. If he had been born blind, how did he know what trees looked like? That means that he wasn't born blind, he became blind. He could see, but then he lost his sight. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. But my question is, is if he could see, but then he couldn't see, Jesus gave him his sight back. And for many of us, Jesus brought us into grace and he transformed our life. And, and in that moment, we could see. It's like, I could see what Jesus wants to do in me. I can see my freedom. I can see, I know how to breathe. But, but then somewhere along the way, some of us who could see became blinded by the circumstances of life. And things hit you like a Mack truck, man. And I know what that feels like. For things to happen. And it's almost like you become blinded by your circumstances. And you feel like you can't see. But I'm here, to tell you, I'm here today to tell you that God wants to put his hands on your life and help you see again. That the time of wandering in the dark is over but you gotta let him help you see again. You were able to see before, but life has blinded you. The enemy has blinded you. Circumstances have blinded you, but it's time that you see again. You see, what we're talking about today is our vision at Transformation Church is to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. And we do that in four steps. We take everyone on a journey. We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose and we want to help you make a difference. And, and we talked about Daniel 6, how God wants us to be distinguished and that's what happens when we get saved. We become set apart. And then he wants us to realize that we can be free again and, and that's that we need to find freedom. And then God wants us to uh, breathe again and we can breathe again when we realize we have purpose that there's something for us and, and today at the end of this service I'm inviting everyone that will if, you, if you're new to TC or maybe been with us a while but you haven't gone through Growth Track yet I want to invite you today to join us for Growth Track and, and what Growth Track is is this we believe that God put inside of each one of you a purpose we don't just believe it we know it inside of you is a purpose right now and what Growth Track does as we take you on a journey through four classes where we help you realize what that purpose is and discover how you can use it. And there is no greater fulfillment in the world than not just knowing why you were born, but knowing how you can use the thing that's inside of you that you were born to do. And Growth Track is our way of helping you discover that. We're gonna hold it today at the end of this service in the double doors in the back of the sanctuary back there. Now listen to me, this is the reason I brought that up. Because we need to distinguish ourselves. We need to be free again. We need to breathe again. We need to see again. 
But here's what some of you need to grab a hold of as I wrap this up. This last one. Some of you need to know that you can begin again. You can begin again. You don't have to keep paying. What you went through 20 years ago doesn't have to be the reason that you don't do the thing that God wants you to do tomorrow. What you went through, what your, your circumstances, what your parents went, some of us think that we have to continue to pay for what our parents went through before we were ever even born. I'm here to tell you that you can begin again. Today, you can have a fresh start. Today, you can have a new beginning. Today, your life can start all over. Today, the Holy Spirit can breathe in you. Today, God can introduce you to a clean slate. Today, he wants you to recognize that there is a new beginning available to you where the things of your past no longer have to control your future. We can begin again. This quote that I wrote down give this to you as we get ready to close. We have bought into the lie that although God didn't wait for our perfection to choose us, we need to wait for our perfection for him to use us. I'm here to tell you today, God's ready for you. Are you ready for him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you didn't wait for us to get our our act together. You didn't wait for us to get clean. You didn't wait for us to get perfect before you set out a mission for us to change and transform our life. But God, we're here. God, we're here because you brought us here. And we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. And we thank you for what you're doing in our life. God, I pray right now that you speak to each one right now. You quicken their hearts. What in our life needs to go? What in our life needs to get cleaned out? As we get ready to go into the next three weeks where we're going to be talking about removing things, God, I pray that we recognize we're not removing things without recognizing what needs to get put back in as they get taken out. Holy Spirit, I pray that you refill us. God, I pray that you, that you come and dwell with us, God. Do that, Father. Jesus' name. If you're in this place with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and you say, Pastor, I do, I want all of those things. I want to be transformed. I want to breathe again. I want to be free again. I want to see again. But before I can do any of those, I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I, I know about him, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're in here. This is the first church you've ever sat in. This is the first church service you've ever been a part of. And this is the first time you've really heard the name of Jesus. The beauty of the gospel, which means good news. The beauty of the good news for you is this, that Jesus knew we would have sin in our life. The Bible says he chose to go to the cross. And when he died on the cross, he paid for our sins. He paid for our mess ups. He paid for our mistakes. When he died, he rose three days later. And when he did, he defeated death literally so that death could be defeated spiritually which means hell doesn't have to be a destination for us because Jesus has brought hope into our life. Today, if that's you, you want Jesus to transform your life, 
You want hope to set in and, and you want him to give you a new beginning. I'm here to tell you that's what he's here for. And we as a church, we're not here to judge you. We're not here to chastise you. We're here to help you. We're here to pray for you. And if that's you today, you want Jesus to give you a brand new start. You want a new beginning. You want him to clean the slate and you want him to save you today and give you an eternity with him in heaven that's you. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I want to pray for you and I want to celebrate you today. And if that's you, you say, I want Jesus to save me and transform my life. Would you raise your hand right where you sit? I want Jesus in my life, pastor. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up, folks. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it back down. Like I said, we're not here to embarrass you. Is there anyone else? I want Jesus to transform my life, pastor. I want to know him. And if that's you today, we want you to pray this prayer with us. We want to put prayer to our action and, and, and prayer. This prayer doesn't make you saved, but we're declaring with our mouth what we're believing in our heart. The whole church is going to pray with you. So you're not praying by yourself. So church, let's pray with our brothers and sisters. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose three days later through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I believe in you. I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. See, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time. Man, we celebrate with you.